This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. It all started with one little mouse. But today, Disney is a cultural behemoth, a global household name. Disney means childhood, nostalgia and joy. But recently, their multi-billion dollar empire has grown with a string of high profile and big money acquisitions. So, is the magic still there? And why does everyone love Disney? Welcome to America, a history podcast. I'm Liam Heffernan, and every week we answer a different question to understand the people, the places, and the events that make the USA what it is today. Joining me to answer this question is an author and professor in communication research at the University of Oregon, whose book Understanding Disney was a huge resource for me during my time as an American Studies student. So a huge welcome to the show, Janet Wasco. Thank you very much. It's really excellent to be with you. Yeah, it's a, it's a genuine highlight for me to have you on the podcast, so I cannot wait to dive into all things Disney. But, you know, I think a good starting point for us is the fact that I read your first edition, which was published uh, way back in 2001, and unfortunately dates how long ago I was studying. But nonetheless, uh, it was a great book for its time. Your second edition came out in 2020. I imagine you've had a lot to update in that time. Yes, it turned out I did. <laughs> I initially think there would be that much. They bought a few companies and so forth. But really, the extent of their expansion really prompted some, uh, not not necessarily total rethinking of arguments and so forth, but uh, a little bit of reworking the way that we think about the company uh, these days, and also to make sure that, uh, in the book at least, I tried to uh, insist that the whole historical coverage, a uh, uh, story of of Disney, is is very important to understand because. For instance, people these days think it's always been a major, major company, one of the major studios in Hollywood. It hasn't. So that history, I think, is significant to understand the um, the, the saga of, of, of Disney's success, popularity, and so forth. And then as, as we look also at the kinds of films and programming that the company is distributing these days, a rethinking also needs to be done in terms of the, the representation, for instance, of women, of mm. uh, minorities and so forth. Uh, so all of that meant that it, it took longer than I thought it would. Mm. And yeah. actually, I remember The Princess and the Frog was was quite groundbreaking for Disney at the time, because if I remember correctly, I think that was the first time that Disney had introduced uh, a non-white 
princess into its 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 canon and that was a right. huge deal and that was only 2009 i believe so that was right. quite recent right. really right right and and that got picked up in other kinds of representation even of uh the you know white princesses if we can call them that um <laughs> because there were some changes in terms of the way they uh, made decisions and their their uh, ability to just make their own decisions about their lives uh looking past just finding a prince in other words my students and others assume now that Disney has empowered women uh, through that reworking of, of the princesses, in addition to, of course, introducing uh, a more diverse princesses. Um, my argument is that a lot is the same, <laughs> but it, it, that, that whole uh, shift, I feel, needed some, some additional attention. So that took a while to kind of sort out. Yeah. And, and thinking about, you know, how much Disney has changed, um, particularly in the last few years, uh, you know, and I think um, potentially the sort of change of leadership at the top has, has, has driven quite a, a, a commercialized mindset in, in, in the way that Disney have operated. But I guess it's sort of reflected in the type of films that they're making, you know, in, in everything that they're doing. Do you think that that, that magic that we came to know and love about Disney is sort of fading away a little bit? It's interesting to try to answer that question because I think it's both. Uh, that there are those who still are very, very attached to, uh, beyond that, love Disney. And, and I, I think there are plenty of those people still around. Mm. On the other hand, there has been kind of a pushback in terms of, for instance, some of their acquisitions, some super Marvel fans and Star Wars fans have been disappointed. They they worried to begin with, and they were have been disappointed with the way that Disney's managed those uh, those brands, those whatever you want to call them, universes. So they've they've lost some of their avid fans, I think, but still there are enough of there, there are enough people who still feel very strongly uh, about the Disney brand, and there's it's very difficult to convince them that that you know things haven't changed so much, uh, and they really um, they're very avid in terms of their fandom. I call mm -hmm. that they're still huge numbers who knows how many of people who might be called fanatics Disney fanatics and. I've been criticized for calling them that, but that's what they call themselves. These are people who organize their life around Disney. Uh, they get married in a Disney wedding, possibly at one of the parks. They, you know, all of their birthdays, of course, are are are, are Disney themed. Their houses are covered with Disney products, and go on and on and on and on. It's their life is you know really defined by Disney, and there's some real fanatics and then there are also just massive numbers of fans as you can tell by just going online putting in disney and the kind of fan material um is amazing it's grown so much so it's still there but it's it's like both there are those who think they've lost the magic and they're very vocal about that but then there are others that still think that they've got it 
mm. and are still big fans. Yeah, and I think we'll we'll come on to Disney adults in a in a minute because I think that's definitely the uh, <laughs> the, the the people you're referring to. But I, I I kind of leading into that, I wonder if one of the reasons that that people grow up to be so um, attached to the the, the Disney brand, um, particularly the the core Disney brand, is because it's become so synonymous with childhood. There's something very nostalgic about it. And then there's something very aspirational about it as we grow up. Um, do, you, do you think that's still the case? Or, or do you think over the years, maybe that's become a little bit watered down? I, I think it's still very much alive. <laughs> uh, uh, there are those of us who grew up with, with Disney and have uh, very wonderful memories of, uh, of the films, of the theme parks, and so forth, and pass them down to their children, and it, and it's almost like it's just required that you do that, uh, and then that just keeps on uh, uh, happening. Historically, that I think is one of the reasons why Disney remains so popular. Mm. That connection with childhood and the the experiences of Disney products and services in childhood they're not always totally happy for everyone but mostly they are and they're remembered as you know as uh, uh, positively and then passed on over the years over the generations is it, it just it continues i think the perhaps it's the the current kind of response to some of the political issues relating to Disney may indeed pass. I don't know. It certainly is taking a hit in terms of in, in some ways, but I think that um, I had this sense that it will continue. It, it's popular. The company will continue its success and popularity mm. in various ways, which we could talk about some more. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting that you, you bring up that, that side of it. And that's, that's something that we've addressed in a, in a previous episode when we've been talking about Ron DeSantis actually, and, and sort of how Disney has been dragged into politics a bit. Um, but right. off the back of that, it's actually really interesting because, you know, you've got people that are fully grown adults and yet they still have this borderline obsession with, with Disney. And yet they know that there's more to Disney than that. They, they know that the magic is, is, to some degree just a facade you know it's it's bells and whistles in a theme park and whatnot you know they can see the stuff that's going on politically they can see the business that that lies behind it so why do people continue to just give all of their money to disney <laughs> i i asked the same question <laughs> uh, and certainly i grew up with disney and in, grew up in southern california enjoyed loved to go to Disneyland and so forth. So I have to s say that I'm among the, the majority who really feel very nostalgic mm. about Disney in their childhood. And I think that's one of the thing reasons why it continues as one grows up. You know, you may get away from it for a while, but then come back to it. Uh, but it's a, that those memories and that nostalgia and so forth is part of it. Hmm. Uh, but I also think that, again, to go back to the way that Walt Disney talked about the theme parks and so forth, uh, well, Disneyland, is that it wasn't just for children. 
and if we look at the whole company today, it's definitely not just for children. Uh, it's for families, hopefully, often. Uh, and that's a theme that is promoted by the company, family, family. But you look across their holdings, across the, what I'm, I'm calling now Disney a multiverse because <laughs> it owns a lot of other universes. Um, but if you look across that, there are, are products, services, and so forth that aren't just for children. There are, uh, you know, franchises, uh, even though certainly Star Wars, Marvel uh, uh, is enjoyed by children but also through adults and and that's uh so i think it's a little bit of a misconception to say it's it's only aimed at children it, they aim at everyone <laughs> they aim for everyone mm -hmm. uh and very deliberate in terms of developing and strengthening their uh um the 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 demographics <laughs> uh of their of their audiences and their consumers so beyond that also if we look also at the whole Disney adult uh, concept, which is, I think, relatively recent. Also, that whole notion of staying young, <laughs> being young. I think it, maybe it's one of the motivations when someone puts on a Mickey Mouse t-shirt or sweatshirt. Mm -hmm. You know, people will think of me as young at heart. And <laughs> and, and uh, so there's that because we're always uh, concerned about uh, youth and you're staying young and wild and crazy and, and, and you know unique and everything else that goes along with that identifying with disney for some people i believe represents that a kind of staying young hmm. uh, and also maybe as an adult well you don't expect me to be childish but here i like to have fun look here's me now on my chest so it, it, it's i some of these issues about why Disney is popular, I think, are somewhat complex. It, it Lots different people being uh, fans or fanatics for various reasons, uh, as well as other reasons why I think that Disney remains popular. The, the strategies and tactics they use uh, are, are not sometimes unique, but sometimes they are in terms of maintaining that popularity. Yeah, and go into those also. I, let's want. let's touch on that because one of the things I remember uh, that really stuck with me uh, when I read Understanding Disney is that at the t I was really surprised when I read it when you broke down the company's kind of revenue streams and actually that's when it dawned on me that the the films, the TV, that the content is really just a gateway to get people into the parks to to experience Disney in all its glory right so there is something quite quite deliberate and and uh, and actually you know quite ruthless about that yeah i i think the word deliberate is really an important word here. <laughs> uh I, I think yeah to the, the the content of course it is important in in various ways and lots of analysts deal with you know doing that content analysis or uh and looking at uh the ways that disney represents and what themes and you know what kind of emotions and so forth are encouraged uh but also it's that deliberateness in terms of getting people to feel good about the disney name but also 
continue to uh, promote that kind of uh, classic uh, Disney in a way. And, and it's not accidental. Mm. I think one of the things that I find the most interesting is that the words used by everyone <laughs> seem to be relatively the same. We, we did a study a few years back, a global Disney audience project in about 20 countries or something. And confirmed that people use very, very similar words to describe Disney. And you know them, magic, family, imagination, right? Those, happiness. Mm. <laughs> uh, those aren't accidental, I don't think. They're used by the company constantly in everything they do. Mm. Um, and if you start looking, not just at the ads, but the promotion, uh, other kinds of um, uh, material that is produced, it's that constant repetition of those key terms. And uh, I asked my students uh, it, it, when I teach the class on Disney about how they would describe Disney before I even say anything in the class. And they come up with those same words, of course. So it's, it's deliberate. Uh, by the company. And I think that also another uh, uh, strategy they use and have for many years is to celebrate, celebrate the memories, celebrate everything. Every year there are various celebrations, the anniversary of, mm. uh, well, now we're in the hundredth year of the company. Right. Mm. But also there's a celebration of Walt's birthday. There's a celebration of Mickey Mouse's creation. There's the it, it goes on and on and on. And it's a major it's a major promotional point, not just at the parks, but that's big at the parks, but also in the promotion of the films with various kinds of uh, images promoted in the trailers and so forth. The such and such anniversary of something it's a way of promoting instilling this kind of uh notion that disney continues year after year after year which it does but i think it's it's a way of uh uh, uh, um, uh continuing to get people's attention and telling them what to think and how to think about disney and i hope that hits some of the points it's got me thinking because everything that you've said sounds correct <laughs> but there's something there that makes me think they're almost making their jobs harder because they're starting to bring in these other brands into the fold you know they bought star wars and marvel and the muppets and they're now integrating that into the theme parks and within the the disney identity right. so i find it really fascinating that that even today when you ask people to to define disney they use words like magic and family and happiness how do you think that they're able to bring all of these other universes into the fold and still protect that core Disney brand? Uh, I think sometimes it, it works very well. <laughs> uh, some of those brands are the ones that are boosting various demographic groups. I mean, you know, bringing in Marvel brought in more more boys, more men, <laughs> mm. uh, for instance. Um, and so... Uh, I, but also the way that they're promoting them and one could probably look more carefully at some of the films that they've done since they bought those, um, uh, obtained those brands and how they've been, you know, reworked slightly. Uh, and and uh, that's a problem for some 
fans too, of course. But I think that they try to put that a kind of magic uh, across all of what they own. But also, I don't think they're so worried about, for instance, having to brand ESPN as magic. You know, mm. it's there. It's got audiences. It's, I mean, there are other you know, other issues uh, with it, of course, but I think the diver- diversity also works uh, for them, of course. In fact, the whole notion of those various components working together is well known and called Disney synergy. Mm. And, and, and this is not accidental that they cross the various, you know, services, products, and so forth. Uh, Mickey Mouse appears on ESPN and so forth and so forth. Synergy different parts working together for the whole, right? It's not accidental. They have specific people at the company who are directors of Synergy. I mean, it's a job. (laughs) Um, So that's not accidental. And that's also another way that, you know, one brand or franchise may be doing well and others may not, but they kind of uh, cover for for each other in, in, in a classic kind of, synergistic way and Disney has been known to do that best other studios keep trying and have tried but that cross promotion is also um, uh, bringing the different parts together I think that judging from my students some of them have different responses in terms of what the magic means uh, and they would associate something like the Marvel films also can be magical and Mm -hmm. so forth so, um, yeah, and, and and the other thing that to, to point out that not everyone loves Disney. <laughs> and my students don't believe that, some of them, but some of them don't love Disney, uh, but increasingly fewer, I think. There are people who don't care at all about mm. the Disney companies. And, and to fanatics, that's, you know, they, it's impossible, you know, it's their mm. world, uh, their universe. <laughs> Uh, so, so there's that point to make as well. Uh, it's not uniformly received as uh, magical and and and, and um, even imaginative. Mm. And I, I guess though Disney, Disney have been aware of that not just recently, but but um, for quite a while. Because I mean, it's more obvious now because buying Star Wars and Marvel and Fox are very high profile acquisitions but you touched on espn that's not a new thing you know that's been uh, you know decades for disney um abc yeah. yeah yeah um you know abc there and as well but also i believe touchstone pictures which uh, little little known to anyone else was a disney studio and produced much more adult content horrors and thrillers you know it's, yes yes it was deliberately created for that yeah and it- the 80s and by you know when Michael Eisner took over and really you know really uh, 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 made a lot of changes in terms of of those kinds of issues Um, but Touchstone is only one example they also owned Miramax yeah of course yes and that's the example of how they that was just way too out of at the moment (laughs) at the time uh, the disney universe i mean that just didn't fit they had yeah. problems i mean that's definitely something other... they want to distance themselves from now right yeah 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 <laughs> even though the, i mean the, 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 there there are there's a place for more adult oriented uh programs i think in disney mm. but they're just not known for it 
And a lot of times people don't even know that they do own ESPN, by the way. Mm. So it's often the case that people don't know everything they own. And these days it's it's hard to keep up with it. Mm. And I guess it's just, it was, it was more discreet back then. I think there was, I, I feel like there was a more concerted effort by Disney to separate stuff that was Disney branded and stuff that wasn't. Yeah. Whereas now there's, there's a blurring of the lines more, isn't there? Yeah, I think, I think so. Mm. And uh, uh, because they also, as, as, as you uh, note over the last couple of decades, since, since 2000, they have added so much. And especially si- ever since they finally took over Pixar, which they totally own now, mm. uh, and then added the other uh, big brands, Marvel, Star Wars, Lucas, uh, and then all the Fox, the Fox shows. What about the Fox shows? The television yeah. Huge, huge acquisition. That criticizes Disney. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so there's all of that that I think has drawn much more attention to the company. It now is assumed that it, I hear people say all the time that it monopolizes Disney. It certainly is very dominant these days uh, mm. in terms of what they own. And But in any one year, uh, uh, one studio will uh, make more money than another. But Disney has really a huge part of the market these days. And so it's getting more attention because of that, too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, I, for one, since the Fox acquisition, have been um, keeping my fingers crossed for some sort of um, Disney Family Guy uh, mashup. Um which uh, maybe one day, maybe one day. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Well, there but, are, there are. They've done shows, uh, kind of critiquing or or uh, 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 Disney already in Family Guy. So, but it was yeah. important. Yeah, they were a lot more, uh, a lot, a lot harsher towards <laughs> Disney yes. back then, weren't they? Yes. yes, um, yes. But I, I, but I guess before we we wrap up and and it feels very premature doing so because we could we could talk for hours more about everything to do with disney but i think we could yeah but i I just want to end by getting your personal opinion you know what's your what's your favorite and least favorite thing about disney and and why um it's interesting i i often when i I either teach classes or talk about disney i don't totally focus on kind of negative aspects although i just try to point out what all they own and some of their strategies and influence and so forth and so forth. And uh, to, to hopefully get people to think of, uh, to understand it, the company and the phenomenon more uh, seriously. And especially in my class, I don't come right out and say, I hate Disney or all of the critiques because I have a lot of them, <laughs> but I think that, um, uh, first of all, going back and saying again, I grew up with Disney, of course, and worked there for a while at the studio. Very, very, very short time. And the way that they have uh, uh, developed, you know, not just animation, but other technologies uh, that relate to media and other uh, aspects of entertainment. uh, I mean, you have to just step back and go, wow, uh, that's amazing. And so, and and some of the films and other kinds of activities, I still enjoy. I have, and I won't name those that I do, but on the other hand, I have a hard time watching them uh, sometimes because everything comes back in terms of how uh, uh, their strategies promote commercialization. And I'm especially uh, concerned 
as we all are in terms of environmental and ecological issues. And the theme parks, I could go on, I'll stop right there, but the theme park <laughs> is in a real uh, 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 challenge. They are uh, uh, doing all kinds of green kinds of uh, uh, activities, but it's still bringing massive numbers of people getting on planes and going to somewhere. And, and I mean, it's just, it's hard to uh, acknowledge that they're um, not contributing to problems in terms of ecology and environment. So th those are some of the things, and I could go on uh, about the, the critiques I have, uh, but generally I also have to respect people's sincere uh, uh, emotions and attitudes about Disney. And, and not, mm. I don't think that uh, I want to just totally uh, say it should not exist but but um i'm relatively critical of it so and uh well maybe one day actually to address the green issue uh everything will be vr anyway so uh every, yeah. no one will be traveling anywhere right that's right and they are working on that they have a research <laughs> uh, uh, unit that's working on all kinds of uh technologies that may lead us there if we aren't partially there already some people are <laughs> Yeah, well, that, uh, of course, of course, Disney are. Of course they are. Um, and yeah. finally, quick fire question. What is your favorite Disney film? Because everyone has one. Boy. Uh, well, I can say my, my my favorite Marvel film is Dr. Strangelove. That counts. Oh, I know. Sorry, sorry. Dr. Strange. Yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> Two very different films. <laughs> yes. Right. Oops. Oops. <laughs> is one of my top films but also if i go yeah, historically to the classic disney films i think pinocchio gets overlooked a lot because the princesses dominate but pinocchio is an amazing film and i think what guillermo del toro did was also amazing another version of it um but i think that some of the um that gets overlooked uh there are others but i'll i'll not keep going <laughs> This episode of America, a history podcast, was produced, edited, and hosted by me, Liam Heffernan. A special thanks to my guest this week, Janet Wosko, for her expert knowledge on all things Disney. And if you like this episode, do check out some of the resources, including Janet's book, uh, in the show notes. Now, normally I say next time and plug the next episode, but we're going to take a very short break uh, from the podcast uh, only for a month or so and come back with a bit of a refresh and a rebrand so bear with us there'll be a trailer and maybe one or two little bonus bits uh, between now and then uh, but do keep in touch email uh, hello at podcastsbyliam.com uh, tell us what you like what you don't like uh, and suggest a guest or an episode for us to include in future uh, so until we return uh, speak soon uh, and enjoy our back catalogue